Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hello, this is Johnny and welcome to this Coach House Beacon. Have you ever noticed that the more excuses you produce, the less convincing you sound? The words provide a verbally comprehensible answer to a doubter request. However, the fact that so many words were used to begin with casts doubt on the answer. Rationally, the excuses may or may not be true, but it's often indicative of someone who's afraid or trying to cover their back. So, saying your essay is late by day because the internet glitched when you tried to submit it online is actually a lot easier than saying it glitched, you were feeling ill for the past few days, you had two of your assignments due, and too many books relating to the subject were missing from the library. Sometimes less is more, and as a student this was a very familiar experience to me. Similarly, if we say tons about something, like alternative suggestions for how the final Star Wars trilogy should have ended, it probably means we care about it quite a lot. If we say little about football when our colleagues are talking about it, it's likely we don't care much about football. Likewise, we know we're perfectly happy laying into things we don't like and talking about them a lot, perhaps Star Wars hype and football, because they annoy us. The words we use matter, especially when we talk to others. They give us a clue about the relationship that we have with them. What do we talk about? What's a common subject that comes up? What do we disagree about? What never comes up? Are we the main subject in conversation? In the same way we apply this to our human relationships, we can also apply this to our relationship with God. In other words, what words do our prayers contain and what are they about? If you asked me the above questions about my prayer life, I'd say something like this. I pray about work a lot, every morning and evening. I pray about and for my girlfriend. I pray about having too many projects and activities on the go. Also, how I feel at any given time is a common subject. God and I run into disagreement and, on my part, disobedience when it comes to how I spend my time, rapidly jumping from one activity to another. Friends and non-Christians don't come up enough in my prayers, I find, and I am often the main subject that I pray about, and I dislike that a lot. These things offer clues to the way I think about God and the relationship I have with him, both the good things and the bad things. So I want to look at Matthew 6 verses 7 to 8, which talks about the way that we pray and the way that we think about God. Jesus offers the crowds this advice. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Babbling is a simple symptom of a problem. Primarily, that we need to persuade God to hear us by using a lot of words. What is the implication? Either that God needs to hear every detail to know what's going on, because he's not really aware of anything, or that we need to chew his ear off for him to be bothered to give us what we want, even if he does know what we're requesting. We know that this passage relates to prayers requesting things, because the solution Jesus gives to this problem is that God knows what we need already. This passage tells us that God knows our needs. And notice the word used for God here. It's father. A good father will be familiar with their child, knowing what they want and like and need. A child doesn't need to give a dissertation on their personality to their parents every time they ask for something. The relationship that already exists between them continually provides that information. God knows us intimately already, in fact, far better than any parent ever could. 
We need to remember and trust how much God cares for us, and there are many passages that tell us of God's love. However, I will quote from Matthew 6 verses 25 to 27 because it shares the same context and because it brings together God's care for our needs and our feelings about what we lack in life. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and a body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We worry. God cares. God knows our needs. The bird fed by God shows how even small things in our environment are noticed by God and attended to, though they only flutter around in the backdrop of our heavily organised human lives. This is one of several examples Jesus gives that show God's care and provision for even trivial things in his creation. It culminates in verses 32 to 33 saying this, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, referring to food, clothing and drink. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we are certain and assured that God cares for our needs, this frees us to live for him in peace rather than worrying about our needs constantly. This whole subject came into my mind because, like many of us, I worry a lot. Sometimes this worry is expressed to God in prayers of faith. Sometimes I just babble on because I'm anxious, doubt God's love for me, and feel like I need to keep saying the same kind of things to cover every need in detail. These verses should remind us to backtrack and remember that God really does care for us. And secondly, he does know all our needs. We don't have to persuade him to be kind. You may well be thinking, what about other occasions in the Bible where we're told to persevere in, in prayer? What about in Philippians 4, which tells us to come to God in prayer and petition? What about Jesus when he gives the example of the woman banging on the unjust judge's door until she, she receives justice? How are these distinguished from babbling or repeatedly bringing serious requests and concerns to God? I'll answer the question in brief by limiting it slightly and by looking at what babbling is. Babbling is specifically to do with the function of our words. Are we saying a lot because we believe that the more words we use, the more likely God is to hear us and take notice of our needs? Because that's the problem. If so, it is based on wrong beliefs about God that we need to examine. I encourage you to think about the things you pray and your heavenly father to whom you're praying. For me, it's refreshing to remember who God is and just to take a step back from my worrying Right after the initial Bible verses I read earlier, Jesus gives us a specific example of how we should pray to God. He gives us the Lord's Prayer in verses 9 to 13. And I'll pray this for us now as we finish. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.